0: Before we start talking about the National Football League's uh, divisional playoff weekend and a bunch of news and notes from what's going on in Jane Goodell's Husband's League, um, I want to start with an update from my famous, my favorite Max uh, convenience store in the Greater Calgary area. Not Circle K yet, huh? Not a Circle K yet. It's still a Max. It's still a, still a. They still got. Well, it's funny. They've got. It's right out at your one here. It's, it's. They've got Circle K on the front, but they still on their bantage uh, banner, banner advertising or banner signage along the building itself it still says max okay. but it is circle k but i i i do have to admit now nobody upsold me today which i was very appreciative of you know how i feel about that but i got behind the line of some guy and i feel sorry for him because obviously this guy's homeless i mean it, he had nine layers of clothes on and and um you know, and it's it's getting colder here in Calgary. Winter has finally showed up in southern Alberta, and it's about minus 20 with a wind show factor to make it feel like it's about minus 30 in Calgary today as we sit here and broadcast on January... Any help? 11th. Thank you. January 11th. Um But this guy rolls out, and it's so funny, he rolls out, $15 in quarters and pennies and nickel. Well, they don't take pennies anymore, but all small change. No loonies, no toonies. For Americans, loonies up here are dollars. Toonies are $2 coins, which are a beautiful thing. I wish the United States had them. But um, I got behind this guy, and then this this poor son of a bitch had to count out everyone. And up here, cigarettes are about 15 bucks a pack. I would have been here a lot earlier today, but uh, I got behind... The steam shovel that couldn't quite get it done. But anyway, that was my bitch today about Circle K slash Max as we welcome you to this 444th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. A lot of things to get to today. I want to dedicate our first episode of this week's programming to the National Football League in regard to, obviously, we've got divisional playoff weekend the Niners and the San Francisco, excuse me, the Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers tee. Let's see, they'll tee it up in about an hour and a half or so from now. Later today, Tennessee at Baltimore, Houston at Kansas City, Seattle at Green Bay on Sunday. Very lucky, I think, for the participants that are playing in both Kansas City and Green Bay this weekend. I think they're very lucky that the games are on Sunday because there is a massive snowstorm happening in both of those cities right now. And in fact, I was on the phone this morning with Green Bay and it's almost whiteout conditions in Green Bay. You cannot see they've gotten so much snow, but they have lined up 750 people to clean out Lambeau Field tomorrow morning. Um, They are. This is supposed to break and it's supposed to be somewhere between 20 and 25 degrees Fahrenheit tomorrow in Green Bay with light winds and the snow will have ceased by tomorrow morning. In Green Bay. But um, very lucky that the Saturday games are on Saturday this week and the Sunday games are on Sunday because there is some horrific weather right now in both Kansas City and Green Bay. Hopefully that'll clear out before they kick it off tomorrow morning in Kansas City. Um, Let's start there. I've got my picks. I want to hear what Chris's picks are. Uh, And then I want to go through some of the coaching changes. And of course, Should we expect anything different? The Cleveland Browns come out, I would think it was about Tuesday of this week, and said they would announce their new coaching hire to replace the unbelievably indispensable Freddie Kitchens as head coach of the Cleveland Browns. They said they were going to do it by Saturday. Well, it's Saturday, and they have interviewed eight guys. Three of them they've interviewed twice, and they still haven't come to resolution. Last year, obviously, a lot of people, including, I think, myself, Chris, I think, obviously, as well. But if he wants to, you know, debate this, that's fine, too. But I believe that they went too quick last year with Freddie Kitchens. And I think this year they've gone overboard with the hiring of their next coach. I think there are too many too many chefs in the kitchen this time. You've got Truck Stop Jimmy and his wife Dee in there. You've got Paul D. Le Podesta or whatever the fuck his name is. You've got a lot of chefs in the kitchen trying to make this decision. Um, I think from what I'm hearing, I believe that Mike McCarthy was high on the Cleveland list, but then obviously McCarthy went to Dallas and sold himself to the devil and Jerry and and Steven and Jerry Jr. Um, But uh, I want to go through, obviously, those coaching changes. There's been a hiring, obviously, in Carolina with the New York Giants. We knew about the Russian and Redskins, and the only one left is still the Cleveland Browns, and we'll have some fun at their expense in a couple of minutes. But let's start, my friend, with the uh, divisional playoff games for the weekend, starting with the Saturday. The, the Saturday two games. We'll start with the Vikings at San Francisco. The biggest news here, I think, obviously, is will Adam Thielen play? Adam Thielen was a difference maker. I think he's a security blanket for Kirk Cousins. It'll be interesting to see Thielen This morning, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, will play, but he had some stitches with some freak accident at practice the other day, and it came out this morning that Thielen could see his Achilles tendon. I don't know what the hell that... I've never seen my Achilles tendon. I I mean, I felt it, but... um, So, will Adam Thielen be 100%? I don't know, but... The Vikings are going to have to play like the Vikings did last week against the New Orleans Saints, and probably a couple steps better to beat the Niners in San Francisco is my belief, but right off the top of my head and on my betting parlay this week, I have the number at minus 7, and I took the Vikings plus 7. I just feel that the Vikings... See, I've got an ulterior motive. If the Vikings win this game and the Packers win on Sunday... They reconvene at Lambeau Field next week, which would be very advantageous for the green and gold. So I have an ulterior motive here. But I was impressed with Minnesota last week. I thought Minnesota would get killed in New Orleans. And uh, they showed up, played well. The defense was much better than they were the last time I saw them against Green Bay on that Monday night, the regular season finale for Monday night football. Thank God. Uh, So all those reasons come into play as to why I took the Vikings plus the seven points. I
1: think I might go with that. The Niners have not looked good in the second half of the season. Like I said last week, there was a real turning point at the halfway season. A lot of the really good teams, some undefeated, all of a sudden were very average for the rest of the year. Some that hadn't been very good, got a lot better. And uh, the Niners were a team that went the wrong way. And so uh, I, geez, you'd have to think they could pull this out. But I was talking to my wife and we were talking like, can you imagine the Vikings at Lambeau, a winner goes to the Super Bowl. I mean, there there are going to be some poor blue collar schmucks in the Green Bay area in the the valley. They have a valley there, right?
0: Yeah, uh, that's it, called the Fox River Valley. Fox
1: River Valley, that's right. Uh, who are going to blow their life savings on trying to get a ticket for that if that happens. I'm telling you, like, it's. Oh,
0: absolutely. Look, you're absolutely oh, right. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> like, it's just, it'd be crazy. Like, you want a home field advantage. There you go. But yeah, I'm glad that Green Bay, by the way, is. Uh, Paying their pay, paying their people twelve bucks an hour, I didn't like the idea if they were true volunteers. So that's nice, but anyway, yeah, let's go with the uh, let's go with the Vikings plus seven. I give Mike Zimmer full credit for that win last week because without him they wouldn't have done that. That was all Mike Zimmer. And uh, Thielen, I did just a few minutes ago, he came out to practice to kind of warm up. He was out there for six minutes and went back inside. So I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign for mm. the Vikings. But if they don't have Thielen, if they're missing any of their big guys, that's that's the, re- the other key, I guess, besides Zimmer is that all their guys are healthy right now. They're big superstars. And uh, if any of them are missing, it's really going to hurt them. So let's go with Vikings plus seven, but really anything could happen in this one.
0: No question. The nightcap uh, finds the Tennessee Titans at the uh, Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens came in in this football game at the number that I got them at. So that's the number I'm using. I got the Ravens at minus 10. There have been a lot of fluctuation on all of these point spreads. Um, at, At one point, the Packers were three and a half point favorites. I got them at four and a hook. I saw them yesterday at five. So, I mean, there's a lot of fluctuation with these these point spreads. But for this game at the point spread that I bet them at, Baltimore at at minus 10, I just think, you know, there's a lot of belief in my mind that there's a lot of good to come out of a bye week. But a lot of teams suffer a little bit out of a bye week after they take that week off and they, they... In some cases, probably like Baltimore, probably have taken the last two weeks off, because obviously Baltimore rested a lot of their guys in their regular season finale against the Steelers, and it still didn't didn't hurt them. They still beat the Steelers, but um, can Ryan Tannehill and his, you know, and Derrick Henry and all these guys that were so good against the New England Patriots last week, can they do it again? And can they replicate that? Because if they were good against New England, they're going to have to be that much better in Baltimore against the Ravens. Um, You know what? I couldn't pull the trigger. I really wanted to, because I I don't like Mike Vrabel, (laughs) just because he went to the Ohio State group of idiots. Um, But... I just couldn't pull the I couldn't pull the trigger on the Tennessee Titans. They've had a nice season. They're in the they're pointing in the right direction. But I still think Baltimore with the two weeks, basically two weeks off for all their injured superstars. Ingram is back. Um I think probably the first quarter they will struggle a little bit, but by the beginning of the second quarter, I think they'll have their mojo back. And I have the Baltimore Ravens winning this football game uh against, I have them straight up. I have them against, whatever. I'm having Baltimore both ways. I just think Baltimore's going to win this football game.
1: That's probably the smart way to go. I'm going to slightly fifty one forty nine uh, lean towards Tennessee and go Tennessee plus nine and a half. I'm going to take a chance on that one because I think that they are what Don Cherry calls battle tough <laughs> and they've been playing. And yeah, that's great that you have a great coach in Baltimore and John Harbaugh who can get prepared and take two weeks to repair and... The Ravens, you know, have seemingly every advantage, but the Titans, if they can get a good start, like if they're ready to go and if they can get a good start, uh, then, and then they let the running game take over. Because Baltimore has been very good against the run this year, mm-hmm. but they are susceptible to elite rushing games, like when Nick Chubb just demolished them in week four. And uh, it, I think that they are beatable there and so the titans of course derrick henry won the rushing title he just bought all of his old linemen rolexes yeah right as they uh, are uh, want to do and uh, on top of all that i kind of have to cheer for the titans a bit here too because uh my wife has uh, you know said that she's really going to go hard on cheering for a team going forward trying to make it like her singular team for a bit see how that goes and she decided to go with whoever would beat New England Patriots and eliminate them from the playoffs so my wife is going to try out being a Tennessee Titans fan and so we are going to go with that so I'm gonna see what happens I know Baltimore could just blow them out and run away with it and it's not even close but I could see the Titans being really scrappy they had some really good scrappy performances in Kansas City for example and some others and there just seems like there's something going on with this team so I'm gonna go with the Titans
0: here Sounds good. Let's go to the Sunday games and we'll start in the America's Heartland. I always get a kick out of that. Uh Kansas City Mo. Um the Houston Texans at Kansas City. A lot of people believe that obviously now that we've gotten finally rid of the New England Patriots, that the team to beat out of the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't I really don't know if I disagree with that. Obviously we've seen Kansas City and Baltimore play this year, earlier this year in Kansas City, but obviously Things have changed since they met way back when. Um, Kansas City wasn't a hundred percent at the time. I think that they finally are now. Um, I just cannot. I I cannot bet anymore on the Houston Texans, and I can't just blame it anymore on Butt Chin Bill O'Brien. I did see a funny thing this week where Bill O'Brien had a had a uh, skirmish, if you will, with a fan gumming up the. Uh, yeah. Did you see that? Oh yeah. And B- O'Brien went nuts on him called him a mother of you know what what happens
1: when you have a guy who's a power mad control freak and he actually gets power and he turns into a complete 100 percent narcissistic lunatic like bill o'brien is a psychotic ridiculous piece of shit like he's just he's completely out of control people like that should never ever ever get power and when they do that's what happens they can't take they're so used to being in an echo chamber they can't take this they can't take one guy yelling you suck yeah. Think, well, yeah, is
0: exactly right. Think yeah.
1: about how ridiculous and how over you know his reaction
0: I'm was. I'm sorry, but in that first in that first half of that game that this this happened was the Denver game in Houston. And they did suck yeah, in the did, first they half. They did suck. They were dog shit. And O'Brien went nuts on this guy. Called him the MF. Call and I mean it was um the star wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, had to step yeah. in and pull O'Brien. You know, carrying his basically carrying his ass back to the clubhouse because we do not need that kind of interaction. The fan is paying big money, and the fan did not just come out and openly swear or say something derogatory toward Bill O'Brien. He voiced his opinion, and in the first half of that game, they sucked. They made uh, the youngster from Missouri, Drew whatever, look like. But anyway, getting off. Oh yeah, that game was something. (laughs) He threw out three hundred and six yards in his first start. Against uh, the but,
1: Romeo Cornell defense. Yeah. Jeez.
0: But I got to get back to what I'm supposed to be talking about here. Houston and Kansas City. Um, I can't bet on Houston anymore. One week, they look like they did, as bad as they did against Denver at home. Then they come back and they look much better. Um, I, but I can't get a feel with these guys. I think, obviously, they've been empowered a little bit with the return of J.J. Watt playing on a limited snap count. But whatever. Some J.J. Watt is better than no J.J. Watt. There's no question about it. And... Houston still has some great offensive weapons, but Kansas City's is better. Kansas City's playing at home. I know Kansas City has had a very poor record in the playoffs in Arrowhead, going back to when they built Arrowhead in 1972. But I think Andy Reid is just that much smarter than butt chin. And I think the weather's going to play a factor here, which obviously will benefit the home team. And for all those reasons, I got the number at minus 10. uh, As the Chiefs being favored by 10 points, I'm taking the Chiefs to win this one straight up and against the spread.
1: Yeah, I agree. Most people are looking at the blowout game being Baltimore favored by nine and a half or 10 and just probably going to win by way more than that, I think is what a lot of people are thinking. I'm on the Chiefs to do that, actually. I think this will be a blowout. It's also a uh, revenge game. If you remember, Houston did beat Kansas City earlier this right. year. Yep. And the Chiefs want revenge. Mahomes will be ready. Andy Reid will be ready. The defense has been much better this uh, in the second half of the year. Honey Badger looks like the Honey Badger. And there's lots to like there. Chris Jones is there. The Chiefs were really injured the first time these teams met. And the Texans had a good day. They are not going to have a good day. They are not going to not be ready by Mr. Butt Chin, who never has his teams ready to go in the first half, and they have to get lucky in the second half if they're going to win, and that's not going to happen here. The Chiefs are going to blow them out and kick their ass, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it.
0: I I think I am going to too. Um, obviously, the the game that has, most, has my, most of my interest in, obviously, is the first time in two years. The Green Bay Packers have found their way back to the postseason, and... You know, I've heard the Packers win ugly, Uh, the Packers do this, they haven't had a breakout game yet this year, and you know what, you're absolutely right. Here's the bottom line, though. Last year at this time, we were sitting at home with a 6-9-1 record. We didn't have a coach. Um, We were kind of in disarray. This year, regardless of winning ugly, we've got at least one guaranteed home game at Lambeau, and we come into the game with a 13-3 record. And in the 100 or 101 years or 102 years, whichever number you're going by, it doesn't matter to me, it's triple digits anyway way you go. In the long history of the Green Bay Packers, this is the greatest one-season turnaround in the history of this venerable franchise. To go from 6-9-1 to 13-3, and I don't give a damn if we're winning ugly. It's not easy to watch the Packers, I'll tell you that, especially with a heart condition. It's not easy to watch the Packers. They're still making stupid mistakes. They still don't have a proven wide receiver beyond Devontae Adams. Excuse me, Jimmy Graham is the worst $30 million that the Packers have ever spent. And they've got holes to still fix. But if their offensive line can play like they have been playing and Aaron Jones can play like he's been playing, I think we've certainly got a chance to beat the Seattle Seahawks. Career-wise, Russell Wilson is 0-8 for his career in Green Bay. He's got the worst passer rating in his in his in of in all the stadiums that he has played in. He's got the worst passer rating when he visits Lambeau Field at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. That and throw in the temperature and the weather climate change and the potential... Even though, again, the, as I mentioned early in the open, that the weather is supposed to be better by the time they finally kick it off at Lambeau on Sunday evening. Weather is going to be a factor. All those things all those things play a factor. Green Bay, at the number that I have and I'm going with, is four-and-a-half-point favorites. I am taking the Packers to win the game, but I'm taking the, the uh, Seattle Seahawks against the spread. That's probably
1: the smart way to do it. I'm just gonna take the Packers both ways because the Seahawks have been so lucky this year, it's unbelievable. And at some point I think their luck has to run out. And I'll certainly be cheering for the Packers, not just because I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year at the beginning of the season, but also because if we could on Sunday just get Texans and Seahawks losses, there's nothing to worry about with, you know, every year when it used to be Seattle and New England or for a while and you always have to worry about there's just some annoying team. You just, you can't even relax and enjoy the Super Bowl or anything. If, if, and I don't even mind the Texans other than O'Brien, but if we could just get rid of the Texans and the Seahawks on, uh, you know, on Sunday, who are both road underdogs, if they can just both lose like they're supposed to, that'll just be great. We can relax at that point, no matter who wins, it can't be that bad. Right. Uh, for you, I'm obviously, you don't want the Vikings to win the Super Bowl, but other than that, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of just, in fun relaxing enjoying football playoffs what a concept so glad the patriots are gone and uh yeah let's go with the packers both ways i'm gonna hope this is a good uh packers game i'm gonna hope this is like the oakland game where they have or the minnesota game yeah. yeah
0: yeah minnesota two game uh where our defense played very very well offense offense should have scored a lot more than 23 points in my opinion in that game but then three first half turnovers certainly didn't help so I'm hoping that this is why you play for home field advantage in Green Bay, because it's going to be cold, it's going to be nasty. Um, And yeah, Seattle doesn't play in a dome, but they certainly don't play in 20-degree weather either in Seattle. So um, this is why it is paramount for the Green Bay Packers to have home playoff games to proceed and advance in the playoffs because, I mean, we saw what happened when Green Bay played in San Francisco. They got their ass kicked. Um, That was a concern of mine if they were going to be playing the New Orleans Saints. uh, Minnesota took care of that for us. So be interesting to see. Uh, Again, from where we are right now, it is just about 1.30 Mountain Time. The Vikings and the Niners will kick off in an hour. And uh, during the course of Chris and I uh, putting our week of shows together, we will keep you updated on that Minnesota and San Francisco score. There has been a lot of things over the last week, going on in the National Football League. Off the field, obviously a lot of coaching changes. Um, but before I get into the coaching changes, I did want to say one thing that really was kind of bothering me. And then I will also have one thing as kind of a question for you guys and Chris to ponder and myself to ponder here in regard to the divisional playoff games. That, again, will start in about an hour. My question to all of you is who could be an unexpected hero in the divisional playoffs. We know for the Vikings to win, Delvin Cook has to be involved. It would certainly help if Adam Thielen can be on the field. We know for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo cannot turn the ball over. That's pretty simple there, and they've got to get the ball to to the big tight end, George Kittle. I mean, that seems pretty easy to me. Tennessee, obviously, in my opinion, Uh, Tannehill has got to continue playing quarterback the way he's been playing the second half of the season. Haven't even even brought up the idea of Marcus Mariota. Haven't even heard his name the last eight weeks because Tannehill's been doing a fine job. Baltimore's just got to keep doing Baltimore stuff. On the Sunday games, Houston has to avoid mistakes by their head coach, and they've got to get really award-winning performances, first and foremost, out of the quarterback. I mean, that... uh, this is big time. This is, this is the time for the young man from Clemson University to take over and win a game. This would be the opportunity to do it. And he's got a comfort in his mind knowing that they have won this year already in Kansas City. And in the last games, Russell Wilson has to be Superman. Uh, that porous offensive line has got to keep Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith out of uh, Russell Wilson's back pocket. These are obvious things. Green Bay can't turn the ball over, and Aaron Rodgers has to play better. There, there you go. This will. I'm going to ask Chris this, and I want him to give me one person who he thinks could be an unexpected hero in the divisional playoffs, and then I'm going to give you mine, and I think you're going to be surprised by mine, but I want to start with you, sir. Of the, of the four games that will happen over the course of the next two days, Who could be an unexpected hero in the divisional playoffs? Not one per team, one for the entire weekend. One for the entire shooting match.
1: One for the entire weekend. Oh, I was thinking for one for each team. Well, if you
0: want to go that way, that's fine too. I don't care. Okay. I'm
1: flexible. Yeah, okay. I'll just quickly go through them. Uh, For the Vikings, I think Kyle Rudolph because Mm -hmm. he was so good for so long. And then, at least in fantasy, he's just been invisible for a long time. Then, all of a sudden, he catches the uh, controversial winning touchdown last week
0: with... The push-off, I know it was a light push-off, but it was a push-off. Yeah, it, it was, was, but the other guy didn't play. The other guy never turned his head. The defender, the defensive back never turned his head, and I can see why, and I'm kind of glad that they didn't penalize that because, my God, we're getting to a point that we might as well have these guys be playing in fucking dresses. I know,
1: but the, the issue for me is not, uh, you know, if it's wimpy or not, the issue for me is how subjective it is. The fact is, is that you can, I'm sure you could find a referee somewhere who would have called that a push off. Oh, for sure. Right. So that's the problem. How do, and I don't necessarily say I have the answer, but how do you, and it was a push off, even if it was an incredibly weak one. Uh, so going forward, how do you make it uniform? How do you solve it? How do you, do we, do we have sensors that, sh- that uh, determine how much pressure and like how much
0: PSI
1: is like, wait, what is, I, I know cut the, off?
0: The, the solution is simple get rid of the fucking rule.
1: Make it so you can push off as hard as you want. Well,
0: no, but I mean, remember they made this rule last year, trying to appease, basically. Oh, the Sean, pass interference, the pass interference. Yeah, oh. I think you got to get rid of that. I oh. really do. Well, or or again, we can't keep always changing rules every goddamn year because we have one discrepancy that shows up in the playoffs. Uh, but I just think that that pass interference rule has slowed the games down again and really hasn't controlled the problem because coaches and players are confused league-wide, especially obviously defensive backs, head coaches and defensive back coaches are confused as to what they can and cannot do. And, it's ridiculous as we're now three weeks from the Super Bowl and we still can't figure out what pass interference is. Well, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, well, the
1: league is poorly run and that's all there is to it. But yeah, I mean, they couldn't have done a worse job of the pass interference. Challenging this year could not have been worse. Like there's not one thing they could have done worse. It's been absolutely rock bottom. But anyway, moving on to the rest of the guys here. Uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, boy, there's actually a lot of great... Uh, underappreciated guys here Uh, I think I might actually just go with oh boy I was gonna say Raheem Mostert but I guess he's become the number one back and he's not really that much of a surprise Boy, I'm going to say because the Vikings secondary has been so bad, I'm going to say Kendrick Bourne if I have to pick somebody, one of their depth receivers. He's he once in a while he has a really big game and has some really clutch catches. So I'm going to go with Kendrick Bourne against that incredibly weak secondary. I think when I saw the advanced stats this year, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne were like first and fourth for the worst ranked cornerbacks this year, and they used to be good. And I yeah. don't know I don't know what happened there. Um, anyway, do you want me to go through the whole weekend or do you want to do one game at a Just time? go through the weekend. Okay. You're rolling. All right. <laughs> so, uh, for the Tennessee Titans against the Baltimore Ravens, well, for the Ravens, I'd like to say Marlon Humphrey, who's been a fantastic cornerback for them this year. And I think he'll try to uh, slow down some of that passing attack. And for the Tennessee Titans, I would have said Jeon Brown, but I don't think he's going to play. Which is really sad. So I'm going to say if I have to pick somebody on the Titans. Jeez. Well, let's uh, let's go with oh, man, that's a tough one. It's tough to take an O-line or something, because even if they have a Donovan in game, you don't really see it. So I'm going to say that Harold Landry. No, I'm gonna go with Jeffrey Simmons and say that he gets a few that's he gets two or three sacks there. And uh, for the Texans, I'm going to go with Kenny Stills, the receiver, because mm. uh, Will Fuller is a uh, game time decision, and so he probably won place, so he'll probably need him. For the Chiefs, I'll take the Honey Badger, who has just been back to his old self in the second part of the year. Uh, for the Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers, uh, for the Seahawks, I'm going to say, I can't say Clowney because he's too big of a name there. Um, and I don't trust anyone on the defense. I would say Bobby Wagner, but I think Aaron Jones will not let him be too much of a factor. So for the Seahawks, I'm going to say that Travis Homer, because I can't really come up with anyone else too much. I'm going to say that Travis Homer, um, is going to surprise, not do enough, but it's going to, I'm going to say he gets more touches and more yards than Marshawn Lynch does. And for the Packers, I'm going to go with Jamal Williams. I'm going to say they're going to maybe do some two back sets and really have everyone think they're going to Aaron Jones and then they go to Williams is what I'm going to predict there.
0: I'm going one each on each day. That's it. Okay. My uh, unexpected hero in the divisional playoffs, and you might find these, these choices funny, but it's just me, so bear with me. Um, in the Saturday games, I think a guy that's going to be – A uh, unexpected hero, and this, again, may may sound funny to you, but it's Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa has not played well since he terrorized the Green Bay Packers. And I think Nick Bosa has to be a difference maker for them to to, uh, uh, thrive and survive and move on to championship weekend. The Sunday games, you're going to really find this one funny, but an unexpected hero for me needs to be number 12 of the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, I'm so goddamn tired of hearing about the excuses, new offense, new receivers, new this, new that. Don't tell me that Aaron Rodgers don't, doesn't have the flexibility to do whatever the hell he wants to do while he's on the football field for the Green Bay Packers. He has the ability to change plays at the line of scrimmage. He has the ability to get out and make some plays with his feet. That's when Aaron Rodgers was at his very best, folks, in the years 2011 through 2014 when Rodgers would get out and make plays with his feet. When we need a third and three, run for the first down. When we need a third and eight, get out on the outside and throw. Now, part of that problem is you've got a piece of shit in Jimmy Graham and you've got a piece of shit in Geronimo Allison that have done nothing this year. So obviously he's been hampered by that a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers, I need to stop hearing about the excuses. I need to hear stop hearing about all the crap and all the changes and how much time that it's taken to get acclimated to a new system. Here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers has been taking snaps from center, I'm thinking probably since he was in, probably in about the 8th or ninth grade. That puts you at 14 and 15 years old, and Aaron Rodgers just turned 36. Aaron Rodgers has been playing quarterback for over 20 years, folks. He shouldn't have any problem taking, he's got to take a little bit of, he's got to take this game on personally himself. He's got to be the difference maker. He's the reason we're paying $134 million over the next four seasons to have this man quarterback us to something spectacular. I've heard all the excuses. I don't want to hear him anymore. We're paying Aaron Rodgers an awful lot of money to be a difference maker, and he is a guy that needs to be, unfortunately in this category for me, an unexpected hero in these divisional playoffs because without Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers do not win tomorrow against the Seattle Seahawks. It's that simple for me. Um, If you are just joining us, where the hell have you been? Thank you very much for doing so. As we say hello and and high on this 444th episode of Unscripted. Uh, A lot of things going on in the National Football League, and I want to get to all these because I want to devote an episode to the NFL. I want to devote an episode to the National Hockey League today. I want to devote an episode to odds and ends. And then in our uh, fourth and final, or maybe a continuation of the third episode, I haven't quite figured out, or the boss hasn't quite figured out how we're going to do that. We are bringing back our uh, fantasy football consigliori, You like that? Wow. I like that. I like that. Someone's been watching Jeopardy. No, someone's been watching too much uh, of The Godfather again. Um, But, you know, here's a guy. You got to give him props. This guy comes out, listens to me. But not only that, he admits, openly admits he's a Detroit Lions fan. Not many people do that. Martha Ford doesn't do that. <laughs> Martha Ford loves the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but Mr. Sean Nichols will be with us later today to talk about and wrap up the season on fantasy football. So somewhere in there I'll take a couple shots at Sean. Because remember, folks, and I remember this. I don't know what episode it was, but Chris and I were kind of thinking about when this happened around week five of the NFL season with a couple of unfortunate bad breaks. The Detroit Lions could have been at that time 5-0. and and think about at the end of the year, at three twelve and one. Yeah. God, it, you know, it's really got to take balls of steel to admit these days that you're a fan of the Detroit Lions. And so for that, I give Sean uh, Nichols a lot of credit. Coaching moves in the National Football League, and I'm gonna. We've got about seven or eight minutes left in this uh, episode, but we've got a we've got a couple of them that we've got to get through real quick. Mike McCarthy gets a five-year deal, monetary compensation not disclosed, but he gets a five-year deal to become the ninth coach in Dallas Cowboys history. Um, supposedly last Saturday, slept over at Jerry Jones' house. And <laughs> My and, and funny thing is, actually came out this week at the press conference when they introduced McCarthy. He didn't stay at Jerry Jones' house. He stayed at a five-star hotel near Jerry Jones' house. Oh, that's yeah. not as much fun. It's not as much fun. Uh, McCarthy already has two controversies, you know, controversies swelling already. The first one is he's been now officially the coach of the Dallas Cowboys since Wednesday, and he hasn't talked to Dak Prescott yet. Who the hell cares? They've got the whole (laughs) offseason to do that. And the second thing is you thought the media scrutiny in Green Bay was tough sometimes, Mike. News out of the Dallas Morning News on Thursday of this week. And some guy, and I don't remember who it was. I wish I did. Some guy was throwing out the opinion that maybe Tom Brady could be headed to Dallas. And that's why the Cowboys haven't given Dak Prescott his new contract extension. Folks, when the hell are some of you guys, A, going to wake up and realize that a lot of things in the newspapers are out there for bullshit purposes in regard to readership? people don't read or physically read newspapers anymore. They go online and get their news, rightfully so. But some of the things written in newspapers are just ridiculous. And you can get the same information online. I'm just saying that. But some of the things that that sports writers say now is just ridiculous. If Tom Brady takes a snap next year, and it's what would be his 21st NFL season, it will be for the New England Patriots, or it'll be in the lingerie league because he is not going to play in the NFL for anybody else besides the New England Patriots. Let's be honest here. So McCarthy is the new guy in Dallas. Matt Rule, college coach, leaves Baylor University for a seven-year, $60 million contract. And with incentives, that contract could be worth $70 million if he meets all the incentives. This is amazing to me that they give an unproven college coach potentially $7 million to coach the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper, the new owner, he isn't quite set yet and figuring out coaching searches yet. He interviewed two guys, McCarthy and this guy. McCarthy goes to Dallas, so he's left with Matt Rule. He gives him potentially $7 million over the next seven years. The New York Giants went even weirder in my estimation. Um, What... What is or who is a Joe Judge? He is the former Patriots special teams and wide receiver coach. Joe Judge is the new head football coach for the New York football Giants. Again, I ask, who the hell is Joe Judge? What I have learned over the last couple of days is Joe Judge was in line to be the head coach at Mississippi State University, which is his alma mater. Ultimately, the Mara family came a-calling, and they made it too attractive to go to Starkville, Mississippi. All you had to do was, what, give him a contract? Um, if you've been to Starkville, Mississippi, you know why this guy went to New York City. It's up there in Grand... Uh, what's my favorite Whippin' Boy place in Montana? Grand, Great Falls, Montana. Yeah, Great Falls, Montana, Starkville, Mississippi. An awful lot of light. The only difference, about 70 degrees and 70 degrees in temperature. And, of course, we can't forget about the woe-begone Cleveland Browns who were supposed to have made their announcement today on Saturday as to who their next coach was going to be after replacing the irreplaceable Freddie Kitchens. I bet Freddie Kitchens is in line for the garage manager job at a tire shop now that he's been fired from the Cleveland Browns. That's what he looks like to me. But I want your comments quickly on McCarthy and Dallas rule in Carolina Joe Judge, whatever the hell that is from the for the New York Giants, and I want your spin on what's going on in Cleveland with their very long coaching search for the replacement for Freddie Kitchens.
1: Well, when I look at Freddie Kitchens, it actually just popped into my head, I knew it reminded me of something. And I don't think I've thought of this all season long. And I just, I used to have this picture on my computer with this really fat guy and he was wearing a shirt that said, <laughs> I beat anorexia. And and, uh, and the guy just looked a lot like Freddie Kitchens and that's who I'm going to think of now. But he just was not, I'm not convinced Freddie Kitchens is cut out to be even a high, maybe a high school football coach is like his ceiling of where he should be. Mm-hmm. He's just... You know, these guys that are a football guy and that's all they've ever done. And they think they were put on this earth to do that. And like, it's just like, oh, God, shut up, please. You know, and it's just ridiculous. And so uh, I'm, I'm surprised they already moved on from Dorsey and they're just yeah. scrambling and they are floundering. They have no idea what's going on. Uh, truck Stop Jimmy has to just leave the uh, coaching search to Jonah Hill for Moneyball. <laughs> Paul, Paul De Podesta. Right. And so that's that's I think what's gotta happen. But he's he's clearly a meddlesome owner and they keep making mistakes and there's no stability and everything they do is wrong. And geez, like they they couldn't figure out to pass the ball to old El Beckham. They could like I think I don't know. There remember that one where they had like eight shots from the goal line, like the one yard line they couldn't get in this season. (laughs) Run the ball up the middle. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Run the (laughs) ball up the middle. Okay. (laughs) Like it's not nineteen (laughs) thirty eight. freddie oh by the way uh, this was funny too i saw on the internet oh, today oh. th- this person went on twitter and they posted and it said what a steal and it shows uh at the i think it's at the gift shop uh of the browns and they got with all browns colors it says every baker needs a kitchen <laughs> and if anyone's looking for this shirt it was regular 12 bucks 50 percent off
0: wow what Six a deal bucks. what a,
1: well hey i mean I know. you know that's a great deal for an obsolete uh, shirt that was dead on arrival anyway. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I heard described this week as a fatter Jason Garrett. And I love that description because they're both boring and uncreative and they don't do anything except sit there and think that they know football. And uh, man, I just, uh, this was one of the only coaching hires that wouldn't have been a step up from Jason Garrett. And I just, I think it's a terrible 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 decision nobody seemed to care that mike mccarthy was out of the league last year nobody missed him and all of a sudden here comes jerry jones swooping in texas that the texas truck stop jimmy basically jerry jones and uh i guarantee that mike mccarthy will never sniff a super bowl in dallas as long as he's there or for the rest of his life for that matter when it comes to matt rule seems like a really interesting inspiring guy i can see how an inexperienced guy like David Tepper would listen to this guy talk and just buy everything hook, line, and sinker and just give him all the money he wanted. He Um, did. Yeah, but, I mean, there's just not enough of a precedent for college coaches making the transition. Like, Nick Saban went to the NFL and was terrible. For example, uh, Chip Kelly, like, there's a million of them, and they don't... It, it's almost like the players they might transition okay, but there's no guarantee of it. And for a guy getting his first shot, did you really have to give him that much money? I doubt it, maybe, but I mean this is just it when you 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 can kind of essentially get married to a guy when you hear him talk and you think he's the greatest thing and clearly for a, a newbie like David Tepper, that's what happened there. And when it comes to Joe Judge, I would not bet my life that I would have done a worse job coaching the receivers in New England this year than Joe Judge because even by the end, even Julian Edelman wasn't even catching the ball. So uh, those receivers were terrible. And, I mean, Brady wasn't great either. I saw him miss a lot of passes this year. He's clearly getting older, even though the media doesn't want to admit it. But, yeah, Joe Judge, I know he is more the special teams coach and he only took over receivers this year. But if uh, the receivers are any indication, the Giants and the Browns and the Cowboys are all just going to keep being the Giants and the Browns and the Cowboys for the foreseeable future.
0: I will will remind you, when you bring up the comment about Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy being a bigger and fatter Jason Garrett, I know you didn't say that, I did. (laughs) But I will remind folks out there that McCarthy did have and you know what, if anybody has been listening to any of the previous 443 produced episodes of Unscripted, especially when we were talking about the NFL, and in my case, the National excuse me, the Green Bay Packers, I have wanted McCarthy out of Green Bay since 2014. I think Mike McCarthy could have been replaced right there with that fourth quarter collapse in the 2014 NFC Championship game against the Seattle Seahawks, when you have a 16-point lead with 12 minutes to go and you lose the game in overtime. Now, but I will remind folks that I don't think it's fair to McCarthy to quite put him in the same category of Jason Garrett because of these numbers right here. A career record in Green Bay over 12 and a half seasons of 125, 77, and two. That kicks the shit out of Jason Garrett. Four NFC championship games, six division titles, one Super Bowl victory. Jason Garrett is You can say what you want about McCarthy, and I'm not huge on McCarthy, but McCarthy is an upgrade from Jason Garrett. I will say that, and we can argue that till the cows come home. Dallas, even, even, and I think one of the things, now remember, we're not talking about a rocket scientist here. When we're talking about Jerry Jones and his son, Stephen Jones, and his other son, Jerry Jr., I think these guys got enamored, and part of the reason I think that McCarthy was attracted to them was McCarthy had a career record of seven and three versus the Dallas Cowboys. And obviously they had help with a with a call to eliminate the Cowboys in 2014, the Des Bryant catch in 2016. They had an unbelievable play by Aaron Rodgers to Jared Cook and then a 50-whatever-yard field goal by Mason Crosby, and that eliminates the best team that Jason Garrett had, which was the 13-3 2016 Dallas Cowboys. Since then, the Cowboys have basically been a mediocre 8-8 eight eight every year. So McCarthy, I think, is an upgrade over Jason Garrett, but then I would be an upgrade over Jason Garrett. But again, for all you Cowboys fans that think that's going to be nothing but, you know, uh endless trips to the, at least the NFC championship game. Don't get your don't get too damn excited. You still have to deal with Jerry Jones as the owner, general manager, chief ticket taker, and his two idiot sons, Stefan, Stephen, Stefan, whatever you want to call him, and Jerry Jr.
1: What does McCarthy do well? Because here's the problem I well when, when you get like a Mike Zimmer or a Bill Belichick or an Andy Reid people you like see like you can look at their record after the buy and everything and you can see that even when they haven't had great teams like Brady goes down in the first quarter of the year and Matt Castle somehow gets them to 11 and 5 with Belichick like you yep. feel you believe these guys can do it I don't recall anyone ever saying oh you know that was due to mike mccarthy usually it's just like oh he was lucky to have aaron Rodgers." yeah what does he act and he has uncreative play calling i never i don't see him do anything well guys don't seem to particularly like him rogers hated him what exactly does mike mccarthy do well
0: great question all i know is that you know all i hear every fricking year is how hard it is to win games at the national football league level And yes, we had Aaron Rodgers. And before that, we had a guy named Favre. So McCarthy was in Green Bay almost 13 years, and his quarterbacks were Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. What does Mike McCarthy do well? I think Mike McCarthy probably until the 2014 season, and I think that's when the wheels started to fall off. 2015 on is when the wheels started to fall off, and nobody watches and reads about the Green Bay Packers more than I do. I think what happened and I think what McCarthy's good at is adapting to things. And I'm putting that in generalized terms because remember this. Mike McCarthy was working with an idiot named Ted Thompson as general manager and Ted Thompson would never play along in free agency and he would never, you know, bring in a guy He would never, he would never do what Brian Gutekunst did this year and upgrade the talent. And all four of the big uh, preseason free agent acquisitions have played a role in the Green Bay Packers getting to thirteen and three this year. And I don't give a damn what anybody says. The two Smiths, Billy Turner, and Adrian Amos did wonders for a Green Bay team depleted talent wise, and. Gutekunst's job is just starting. Gutekunst needs to get some more weapons for Aaron Rodgers. But what I'm saying is that McCarthy adapts well to what he has to work with. Think about the guys. Think about if you put Aaron Rodgers with Dallas's every other position depth versus what McCarthy had. You know, when, when, when there were injuries in Green Bay, McCarthy would go and bring a guy up from the practice or, uh, Ted Thompson would bring a guy up from the practice squad instead of go out on the waiver wire and try to get a rental in here and pay him, you know, uh, minimum salary veterans minimum for the rest of the year, Ted Thompson. And I go back to the 2014 draft for the green Bay Packers for a team that's draft and development. There isn't one guy left after this just completed 2019 season, five years. What should have been in his prime, there's not one guy left from the 2014 draft on the current Green Bay Packers roster. Whose fucking fault is that? That's Ted Thompson's fault. So I'm not enamored with Mike McCarthy, but to win 125 games, go to four NFC Championship games, he had to have done something right. If he had done a little bit more, who knows? But remember, guys, he didn't have a lot to work with. Considering in 2011, our wide receiver core consisted of Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, uh, James Jones, and we had a tight end named Jermichael Finley. All four of those guys, all four of them, are better than what we have on our roster right now. And I'm including Devontae Adams. Really? Wow. Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings were both better than Devontae Adams is right now. We had we had, and remember our slot receiver was a guy named Randall Cobb in 2011. What have you replaced those guys with? Nothing, 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 nothing. Crap. You gave Jimmy Graham thirty million dollars guaranteed. If the if Jimmy if Jimmy Graham is on the Packers roster uh, for opening game next September. I won't watch the Packers. I am so tired of watching Jimmy Graham not block, drop passes, run the wrong routes, and just do general stupid shit out there that if he's on the roster next year, I'm not going to watch the Packers. Because if you need that tight end position in that kind of offense, Kyle Shanahan's offense, you need an offensive guy to play the tight end position, i.e. George Kittle. We've got Jimmy Graham. Unfortunately, Jimmy Graham should be out to pasture somewhere. So McCarthy's not the be-all, end-all. He's not Belichick. He's not Bill Walsh. He's not Mike Zimmer. He's not a lot of guys. But I'm telling you, folks, to win 125 games when you've got a limp-dick general manager that doesn't do anything by the name of Ted Thompson, I think McCarthy's got to be a little bit, given a little bit more credit. And I'm a homer and I'm biased, but I'm being true right here to win 125 games in the National Football League with all the rules these days and all the things you can't do and defensive backs can't do this and offensive linemen can't do that and you're still winning 125 games, there's a lot of good coaches out there that haven't even been to a Super Bowl. So when you say the things that it's a a fatter Jason Garrett, I have a small problem. All right,
1: well, I would just want to say that, and you might not argue with this part, the Dallas Cowboys... Still suck.
0: I'm not arguing that point, but I do believe that in that division, the NFC least, I do believe with the talent base that the Cowboys have, I do believe that you're going to see some better football being played. Ron Rivera in Washington will be an upgrade. Uh, Doug Peterson, if he gets all his players back, Philadelphia will be an improved team, no question. But Mike McCarthy will improve the Dallas Cowboys position in the NFC least just with his presence there instead of Jason Garrett. Really? Oh, I truly believe that. Jason Garrett is a limp dick, and he he was a yes man for Jerry Jones. And I'll say this, Mike McCarthy may become that. Then I'll lose respect for him but I think Dallas needed to do this. I don't, again, I don't know if McCarthy's the answer, but guys, for everybody that's out there, and you've heard all the names, you've heard all the names all this offseason, you've heard Matt Rule, you've heard, well, I've never heard of Joe Judd, still don't know who the hell he is, but all the guys that Cleveland has interviewed, brian dabble mcchicken out of new england all these other guys and all these other names urban meyer urban meyer's been terrific at the collegiate level but urban meyer still hasn't won a game at the nfl level and maybe that's a reason why urban meyer didn't get a job this week um mike mccarthy you could do worse than mike mccarthy
1: well i'll say that i wouldn't even consider interviewing mcdaniel's any in any franchise that interviews josh mcdaniel's I will lose massive respect for because of what he did in Indy. I agree. Even if you take that away, honestly, when he was in the Rams and he finished 32nd overall as the offensive coordinator with their offense, and then when he was in Denver and he started 5-0 and then couldn't win a game to save his life and just collapsed there. And then, I mean, really, he's just been a product of Brady and Belichick. And then on top of all that, he gets the great opportunity in Indy. They have the press conference scheduled, and then he backs out. Yep. The fact that after that, anyone would ever interview him again even when his resume sucks other than in New England. uh, Besides that, just you can't ever do that to people and leave them hung out to dry like that. Anyone who interviews him is an idiot, and that's all there is to it.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I went long. I apologize. Um, Got on a bit of a tangent, but that's the beauty part of Unscripted. Having said that, we've got a run on this 444th episode of Unscripted. We've got the National Hockey League to talk about a few things from the NBA. And again, later on this week of shows, we're bringing back our, I like that fantasy football consigliori, I like that. Uh, Sean Nichols will make an appearance here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. So a lot to get to. And again, I apologize for going long, but I do think there are teams that that are worse off with their head coaching position than going to Mike McCarthy. 125 wins, uh, four NFC championship game appearances, uh, one Super Bowl and four division titles or six division titles. He did okay uh, with limited resources, except at the quarterback position. In Green Bay. Whew. This is just episode one. Um, I got to get my blood pressure medication. Um, We've got to run. Let me see. What do I usually do? This is what I do. uh, For the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.